Hey up and welcome back to Paul Ask. This podcast episode is recorded in partnership with The Civic in Barnsley, an arts centre in South Yorkshire. It has been programmed as part of their No Boundaries season, which is running until spring 2022. No Boundaries is a season of exhibitions, performances, community projects and workshops amplifying the voices and creativity of disabled artists as well as other communities underrepresented in the arts. It also explores the barriers that those communities face in society. Art and activism by disabled people has historically been the reason access rights and awareness has been improved. You can find out more about the Civic and their No Boundaries programme at barnsleycivic.co.uk. This episode will explore the experiences and the intersections of being working class and having a disability. Welcome to Paulas, a podcast about real life experiences from the mouths of legit working class people. Hiya! Hey up! I'm Selena. And I'm um, just a couple of Paulasses doing a podcast. Hi Selena! Hiya! Hey up love, it's Friday, how's your week been? Um, It's been busy. I can't believe it's October. Are you in Christmas like... mode at work yet? Oh yeah, that's we did Christmas training about a month ago. Every, all, it's all Chris, full Christmas. I think people have started shopping earlier as well, you know, because every every day there's a new crisis. Well, yeah, you <laughs> so never know, do you? <laughs> it's put people in panic mode. Um, but yeah, so just yeah, been busy. But um, you know, I'm here. How's your how's your week been? It's been a bit mad. You might have seen. Um... Some some news revealed from that company that I don't often say I work for, but most people know that I work for. <laughs> li- that's only just clicked today when you're like, something's been released. I've literally, now you've said it out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's been proper mad for a while. Um, but I start, well, it's actually my last week at work next week, and then I start a new <gasps> job. So That's exciting. Yeah. Living the dream, uh, continuing to work from home, love it. But yeah, so main thing is, it's Friday, which means it's Gogglebox in a bit. Um, so I get to do this episode, um, and then I get to watch Gogglebox. And I had pizza for me tea, so... Oh, I had pizza as well. Yes, on a wavelength, as per usual. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are going to do that cringe well i say we it's me who does it so i'm not gonna say it's you i'm gonna do (laughs) i'm gonna get my sequin jacket on and get cringe um it's friday night not saturday night so it's less camp and cabaret at this point but um we have got some very special guests in this virtual room tonight and um so we're gonna introduce each person at a time just so we can make sure that everybody gets um, a little platform and a, and a segment just to themselves um, so we can make sure everyone kind of has the opportunity to tell their story and um, have a bit of space there. So the first person and the person who's going to kind of set the tone as to this collaboration, because effectively it's a collaboration really, um, is uh, Rose. So Rose, step out from the shadows of this virtual room and say <laughs> hello. Hi everyone. Hi Hi Rose, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. What did you have for your tea? Oh, he, I was just getting a little bit jealous then, actually, because I didn't have pizza. <gasps> um, 
I had like a pretend fish finger sandwich. So it was good. Ooh, but that's a Friday night pizza. tea though. Yeah, Isn't that's it? good. Throw fish finger butty, that's still a that's a that's a Friday night tea. Yeah. That's quite the mouthful, that faux fish finger butty. <laughs> <laughs> so Rose, you are I was gonna say you are famous for. You are famous for, you're famous for drawn poorly, amongst other things. Um but today we're gonna to talk to you about drawn poorly, which is an awesome zine. Um, and what's really nice, I think, for us is that we're doing this podcast in this futuristic world of technology using futuristic tech like Skype. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, like you, are very much zine people, you know, and Paul Lass was originally a zine, so that's nice for us. Um, but yeah, so tell us more about Drawn Paulie. Thanks, Em. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, there's definitely space in this futuristic um, techno world for, for zine making. I think it's always quite a nice contrast um, to do a bit of zine making. Um, so, I, yeah, I run a project called Drawn Poorly. Um, it's a project I started back in 2017. And the main focus of this was to bring together ill and disabled creatives from all over the UK and beyond. And there are seven zines altogether. Um, and they focus on different topics. So some, for example, um, are nature, diagnosis, identity, really broad themes. Um, yeah, covering a lot of different subjects. Um, so you'll know this as zine makers. Um, the actual like format and the choice for John Pauly to be a zine was really important to the project. Um, quite often when ill and disabled people share their stories to news outlets or other organisations, they can be framed in a way that is less about the stories we want to tell and more about how um, they want it to fit their criteria. So um, we often see like that they're framed for inspiration or shock and they don't actually feel like their stories for ill and disabled people, but more about how other people feel comfortable um, perceiving us. So the Drum Pauly zine and project are focused on creating spaces for ourselves and telling our stories how we want to tell them and how we want to share them with others. Um, each issue contains about 20 to 30 responses through written pieces, artwork, photography and more. Um, and these respond to um, those themes, but also how these topics intersect with our illness and other aspects of our identity. These respond to like the core themes of the zines, but also how these topics intersect with our illness and other aspects of our identities. So who we are, our environments, the care we have access to, our support networks, and more all impact the experiences we have of illness and disability. So I hope that with each issue, um, those reading it might recognize their own experiences in the work or gain a better understanding of alternative experiences and perspectives. So in prep for this podcast, I reread the Poor Last Health scene, which everyone should go and read because it's brilliant. And it's just filled with so many important pieces of writing, exploring health and class. Um, what stayed with me particularly is the topics that featured in so many of them were access to provisions, waiting lists, perceptions of illness. And these experiences can be so isolating. So having space to collectively explore these is so important. Um, I'm really glad we're doing this today and that we're joined by Bav and Peg, who have both been part of different Drawn Poorly zines and projects. Excellent. Well, we are very happy to have you and we're super excited to, to talk to everybody on the call today. And um, yeah, just I think what what you're trying to do 
with Jerome Pauly is very much, you know, what, what we tried to do with, with Paulas as well as actually just give people an opportunity to tell their stories in a space where it wasn't going to be, you know, turned into something for like, you know, uh, I don't know, some kind of intent, you know, by someone else um, that's going to try and structure it into like a feel sorry for someone angle or like a um, vilifying someone angle. So, yeah, I think it, it it's nice that we're all going to get to talk together about this. And I think in particular, um, if we think about illness and we think about disability, we think about how actually that has a massive um i guess impact on like the ability to work or the ability to have access to certain things or you know if you're growing up working class um or if in later life you know something happens with your health and then it means that you have these extra barriers to to work and education etc you know financial circumstances are a massive part um you know of of that world as well so i think talking about the two together um you know, is a pretty big, big thing, really, and I'm sure impacts lots of people. So um, with that, should we introduce another guest, Selena? Yes, I can't wait. I'm well excited. <laughs> Hope everybody else is as buzzing as we are. We're like, woo, Friday night, buzzing. I've not even had any pop. <laughs> you have <it. laughs> So our second person to... Uh, coming from the dark. I need a new phrase, Selena. What, what's another one? You did last Come time. Come on down. You? Come on down. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so our next person to come and speak is Bav. Hi, Bav. Hello. Hiya. Welcome to Poor Lass. The first thing we're going to ask you is, A, have you had your tea yet? And B, what did you have? Um, I have. I had a lasagna that I made like two days ago, but I always seem to make enough for the street. So (laughs) I had it for lunch and dinner. (laughs) I love that. Yes. Oh, reheated lasagna as well. Ooh, so good. (laughs) Extra crisp. So, Bab, tell us about yourself. I know that's super awkward, so we don't want to make it into like (laughs) a big scary thing. Um, But, you know... You're on the you're on the podcast today. What do you want to tell our listeners and what do you want to share about yourself? Um, well I'd say I'm quite creative and I think that's a big thing about me, but I'm also I think the conditions that I've had have really really shaped me kind of the, the work that I do, my passions, um like how I take life, like just sort of everything. So I suffer from endometriosis and PCOS, polycystic ovaries. Um, so I th- yeah, I think they have quite a big effect on on me as a person. So in particular, then with with these two things, like what what is the impact on your life? You know, sort of on a on a day to day basis, and how does that you know in practical terms, like how does that shape the way that you have to live your life? On a day to day basis, it's quiet. I think you know for years I've I've had pains like every day. I remember being in school and uni. Um, work and just literally struggling day to day to be able to do simple things um, like socialize go out for dinner whatever it is um, and it's also just kind of they affect you mentally and physically so th- the conditions obviously affect your hormones and so can trigger um, anxiety or low mood um, things like that but it's also I think the pain and th- the fact that you know you've got this um, and all the kind of symptoms that come with it that can kind of get you down a bit as well. So that's kind of like 
a double whammy mentally I guess in terms of that like what I was gonna say what drew you to like contribute to drawn poorly zine was it because you wanted to kind of share your story or you didn't see somebody with similar conditions to you telling your story or anyone that you related to um it's kind of both ways so first of all I think I don't see much about the conditions that I have I think it's only sort of very recently in the last year or so I've seen more on social media more zines more podcasts especially on a PCOS um but it's more just yep yeah, it was kind of that but also at the same time I think through more people in the last year, more women um, sharing their stories and things, it feels like more of a collective. I don't feel so alone in my pain and what I've been through. Um, so I think the idea of a podcast, like I've been listening to podcasts a lot more recently as well. Um, and I just think it's just nice to hear that you're not the only one um, ha having all of these effects. Um, like I've, when I've been talking to medical professionals and things like that, you obviously get um, a doctor saying completely different things it's not very supportive it's more helpful in a, in a medical sense so it's nice literally just to have some comfort um whether it's through a conversation with a friend through a podcast something like this um yeah it just it's just kind of a bit comforting I feel like I waffled there sorry about that <laughs> not at all plus we love a good chat <laughs> so don't worry so I think with you know the the general topic of especially 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 PCOS um and, and increasingly endo as well is it's one of those things that's quite um hard to get a diagnosis right it's often misdiagnosed um there's lots of different things in terms of like almost an ignorance for some um healthcare staff that want to kind of put it in another bucket or or that type of thing like what's your experience been in terms of access to to a diagnosis, but also access to, you know, pain relief, um, op, you know, options to choose from um, in how to manage that pain, etc. A hundred percent. It is really, really difficult to get a diagnosis. So it took me about, uh, I think it was six or seven years um, from when I first, you know, like went to the doctors and started getting pains and suffering. Um, and then I kind of through that, I, I like looked it up and it turns out like seven years is the average that it takes to get diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, so that when you when you hear that, it's, it's shocking, seven years. It is difficult because obviously NHS is free for everyone. You know, free healthcare is fantastic. It's brilliant. The only thing is obviously when, when they're stretched, it can be really difficult um, to even get an appointment you know for months or things like that um so I was I was lucky enough to be able to get a diagnosis and get surgery privately um through workplace private healthcare. um but it just kind of it was quite upsetting because it's the fact that you know for years I couldn't get a diagnosis um and I just kind of think so so many people won't have really the the opportunity the the, the luck to be able to kind of chase a diagnosis chase some support um privately and so I think it can be really difficult because you can kind of like I spent years um, just kind of thinking like, Jesus, like what's like what's wrong with my body kind of thing. I just was struggling to get a diagnosis. And especially with the condition, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what it is because it kind of affects your your stomach, your pains, your hormones, your mental state, you know, your your menstrual, um, your period. So it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly that. Seven years is is actually wild, isn't it? You say like that's that's the average, and I think uh, you were saying as well that obviously the NHS is free, but the fact that 
and you know people have to wait for so long to get diagnosis and the treatment and unless you have got this opportunity or ways and means of of paying for it you know you could still just be waiting for for a very long time and it's just yeah the whole thing is just wild yeah 100 percent. like while I was you know um being supported by medical professionals on the NHS I saw loads of different experts um on kind of different areas of the body to try and pinpoint what it was um and yeah it, it took that long it took six or seven years whereas as soon as I went private within a couple of months I got a diagnosis and about three months later I had my surgery so it's just it's just wild the way the way it moved so quickly and it was just kind of I managed to get a diagnosis straight away which doesn't sound you know the best that you actually know what's wrong with you but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that not what's wrong with you but kind of know what why your um your body's suffering the way it is but it yeah it's just it's just crazy that it it works out that way. Is there um, a barrier to accessing care for this um, like hidden behind the diagnosis so for example like do you have to have it written on paper to have access to like therapies or medication of some sort like what does that look like so the thing is once you have a diagnosis the the standard kind of um what's the word prescription or or way to deal with it is to go on the pill um, which is you know quite frustrating there's a lot of side effects to the pill um, and it's not it's not the most helpful so that's just kind of I think universally through my research what I've been told when I've spoken to people um, that's kind of what um, medical professionals will come out with um, just sort of that and then you know standard look after your diet exercise etc like um, just keep a healthy lifestyle so it, it is it can be quite difficult um, to get any sort of support on that um, and again it's only when I've really really pushed um, even privately when I've really pushed to try and get some additional help um, but yeah it, it is increasingly difficult um, to be able to get proper pain relief or even um, yeah therapy or support groups things like that I just don't think there's enough of that available um, and if there is it's not broadcasted enough it's not encouraged enough. So, Bob, are you working at the moment or are you in school or anything? Yeah, yeah, I work full time. So how does that, um, how does sort of two worlds work together? You know, is it something that, you know, if if any people are listening um, to this episode and are line managers or, you know, work with people, you know, is there anything that you could share that, that would be really um, helpful for more people to know and understand, you know, to support colleagues or... Um, direct reports or anything like that you know for people that they're around um, in a work capacity you know also in in a life capacity too right but if we talk about um, specifically like the overlap with with class and access and and financial positions of people you know having any kind of like long-term illness disability condition etc can be a real barrier to work right so are there any things that you would like to share about that? Um, I think that's a great question. I think obviously I'm working now, but during when I was studying and in school and education, things like that, it was really, really difficult. It was like I I had I missed school quite a lot because of the pain I just couldn't take it. I also wasn't in the mood to. Um, even when I did go into school, I, I remember I was I would be sitting in my maths class on the floor with a hot water bottle so everyone would just you know everyone would know um so I remember yeah I think in school it would be things like I think as a result of the pandemic obviously the world has learned how to work from home um to the point where 
it's, it's completely possible now to, to work from home all the time, whereas it wasn't before, it wasn't an option. So I think that that's really, really helped. And I think that's something that I think should be kept on. The um, the option to have flexible working is, is a lot more helpful. Um, I obviously live in London and, you know, not having to do the commute um, into work is just a lot easier for me. Does It takes less energy out of me. I'm able to work comfortably. Um, in my home in comfortable clothes have a hot water bottle um, you know make make food myself it just it's just made life a lot easier so I think the flexible working is definitely something that could be um, helpful to people suffering from various conditions um, and illnesses not not just this one um, also I just think just support I guess but that that's kind of across life isn't it um I just think support um especially if even if employees don't make the disclosures of suffering with a condition or anything I think once if managers do know line managers um it's important to just kind of stay in contact just check on them just a simple how are you doing today um how's your pains or just something that shows that they have some sort of interest in it or some sort of care um and even just if they can't think of anything how to help even just asking like like how how can I help do you need anything else um but I think that's just sort of should be done across the workplace in general <laughs> oh absolutely and we we talk a lot about empathy as well right and this idea that sometimes you know you don't know what is going on with with a person that is in front of you right it could be someone close to you it could be a stranger on the bus you know it could be anyone and, and the main thing is really to um you know to be empathetic right and not make any I guess like snap judgments is that the phrase I mean you know just yeah. kind of deciding <laughs> oh that person's doing something that that I don't agree with or I don't like the look of or whatever you know and then feeling the need to be rude about it or or get involved with what someone's doing and I think you know that that's something we've we've talked about quite a lot recently um and and like you say you know if if it is something that you know impacts you it's not something that you can just you know kind of keep to your own house is it you know it's something that that will impact you in the workplace you know on public transport as you said you know this is this is something that is your life you know you can't kind of switch it on and off um and it's also not entirely visible right to people outside um so i guess is there anything you wanted to add with that as well you know just i guess outside of a workplace situation but just a you know, being a human in the world, is there anything that you would like people to know about this condition that you think maybe people A, don't know about or maybe just have a bit of a wrong idea about? This is a bit of a random add-on, but I think it would be, um, so obviously PCOS and endometriosis both have an effect on kind of fertility um, and that sort of side of things. And I think what I've experienced quite a lot is, um, I'm, you know, in my mid-20s, in my early 20s, um, and um, and people don't really register the fact that, yeah, you're young, you may not be wanting kids or anything at this time, um, but it's, it's still upsetting. Like that was a huge part of getting my diagnosis, realising, you know, that, that it's, it's a very low fertility rate. Um, even things like miscarriages and things are quite common with PCOS. Um, and that was kind of a big thing for me to have to register considering I I wasn't really close to thinking about kids and things yet. So I think that would be a big thing where just kind of be aware of all the symptoms of it. It's not just, I think literally just to be more empathetic um, and mindful of of that side of things. Yeah, and I think that ties into like 
people which will probably happen as you get older when they're asking questions about fertility and children and not to make assumptions and the way people discuss that I guess and you don't know what somebody's going through or somebody's reasons or whatever so I think in the broader sense I think that'd be it, it like you say knowing all the side effects of of this condition but also not you know talking to people in a sense in a way that could make them I guess feel upset or you know have to talk about it when they don't want to um but yeah I think that didn't make sense my sentence it made sense in my head (laughs) (laughs) it did it did (laughs) so I guess to 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 finish off now Bav is there anything that you'd like to um recommend so any books or zines or podcasts or really you know anything that that has made you feel seen you know a bit less alone in the world um as a person who who has um both of these conditions you know is is there anything that you'd recommend that other people read or or access etc oh you've thrown me on the spot here um I think there's quite a lot of Instagram pages um, with support and um, advice, tips, um, literally just logging daily diaries on PCOS and endometriosis. So I found quite a lot of them um, and they range from literally some of them are quotes about like, you know, having the strength to cope with each day, how each one feels, knowing that you're not alone, um, kind of empowering women that way. And they range from that side of things to literally uh, dietary advice, what certain foods that may trigger pain, things like that. So there's a lot of that out there on Instagram. Um, I've come across a lot more podcasts doing um, recordings on on both conditions as well. Um, so that's definitely something to look into. Um, and I think reading articles helps me quite a lot, um, like informat- informative articles rather than even blogs too. Um, but it just kind of helps that it's actually in the news. These are, these are the facts, you know, so um, and, and more people are becoming aware of them. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what's helped me the most. Great, thank you for sharing. Thanks guys for having me. No, thank Thanks you so, so much. So now let's welcome our next guest. And um, I was going to do Reveal Yourself, you know, on... Um, <laughs> what's that one from? It's Paddy McGuinness, isn't it? Oh, what, uh, the Take Me Out one. It's Take Me Out. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, dear. Let's not do that. Our next guest is Peg. Hi, Peg. Hiya. Hiya. Just thinking of Paddy McGuinness saying so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is pretty excellent, to be fair. There's, there's quite Let a lot the going. Let the see the pie, I think. <laughs> Perfect. Speaking oh, of uh, shepherd's pie, Peg, what have you had for your tea? <laughs> I haven't had my tea yet today, but yesterday I did make the best baked potato of my life, so I'm still thinking about that. Ooh. <laughs> the best of your life. I mean, that is a bold claim. Yeah, I know. You know when you just get everything that's in the weird little jars in your fridge that you got from the, <laughs> the nice aisle of Aldi and you just put all of it on the potato at once and it's just a really good time. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like you'll never be able to recreate that potato, like no matter uh, how you try. Never have that specific set of jars again, you know? It's never going to come together <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So, Peg, what brings you here today? Tell us about yourself, please. Uh, well, I'm a zine maker myself. 
Um, so I've submitted to Drawn Poorly before. So I was on their um, nature issue talking about going for walks during lockdown and finding my sanity that way. Um, so I'm here today as a disabled, uh, quote unquote, working class person. I struggle with the word working class when I don't feel like I'm working very much. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I'm definitely very skint. So I think that's my conclusion. Do you know, I learned the phrase um, recently that in the US they've started using um, underserved. I don't know. Selena, have you seen this as well? No. no so it takes, um, yeah, it's like this move into a world of um, shifting the word work out of working class because, you know, obviously that word in particular can sometimes not, not be relevant in the conversation. But also I think it's a nice angle to actually show you know it's not it's not like a choice thing you know it's like underserved kind of opens it up to being you know all the people that are literally underserved in the world that we live in um and i think it's a really great phrase i don't know how you guys think think about that yeah it's quite good isn't it yeah so let's run with that one peg so we'll take take the word (laughs) work out it's probably a good place to start then if we talk about this idea of work or not working you know, if we kind of draw into like what it is that in in your world and your life impacts on your um, life from a illness disability perspective, you know what 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 is your experience? What's your identity? What what how do we know a little bit more about you? Um, so I currently do what I've done for a good handful of years now, which is a strange mishmash of freelance jobs that I picked up somehow. Um, and that's basically how I make my income is doing these freelance jobs, all of which are, you know, from home, sat in bed on my laptop so that I can manage what's going on with my disabilities, um, which is I've got fibro. So widespread chronic pain. Um, I'm also re-realizing that I'm autistic, which explains why I've never understood how to operate in an office environment. They've never really got on with me um and just a lot of you know mental health stuff going on that kind of thing so I do these little jobs so I transcribe a podcast and I do a lot of meetings about redesigning mental health services um and just these things that are sort of shorter interactions these little zoom calls and then we lie back down for a bit and that's kind of how I manage my time so I guess then from similar to when we were talking to um, Rachel as part of the the No Boundaries series in in episode one, she was sharing you know her story about sometimes going into a world of self employment um, can be a real necessity for people who you know have you know the the need to kind of regulate or have time out or take breaks or you know as you said there sometimes it's just a case of you know needing to lie down and kind of coming back to it so. Um, is that something in that kind of happened with your experience as well or is it something that is like you know these are projects that you really want to work on like how how have your um in fact you should probably check with you actually first do you, what what words do you like to use do you use the word condition for example or do you prefer illness or what do you like to use <laughs> I don't know that I use condition or illness it's definitely just the fibro <laughs> um my fibro has she/her pronouns for some reason, so I refer to it as her <laughs> or what she needs quite often. 
um, which is a strange concept, but I don't know that I talk about it enough to use words like condition or anything. It took me a long time to be okay with the word disabled, and now I'm very okay with the word disabled, so I like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't know what the fibre is. I don't know if it's an illness or a condition or what. I suppose this is the thing, right? For each person, it'll be a different a different way of approaching it, right? And we've also spoke quite a lot um, in this series so far about this, um, and you absolutely just touched on it there, about the almost imposter syndrome sometimes of, of using some words and especially the word disabled in particular. Um, so... In terms of, you know, you've got lots of different, um, like, as you just said there, um, freelance roles as well. Do you also um, claim disability benefits? Yes, I do. That's basically what uh, holds everything together financially. Um, it's interesting. So I'm on universal credit with the um, limited capability for work thing, mm-hmm. which makes it very interesting that I need to tell them how much I've earned, but it doesn't quite line up with their thinking because they uh, feel as a group that I can't do any work. And then I have to go once a month and tell them how much I've earned. And they don't really understand how I've earned it. And for quite a long time, they weren't willing to accept that I was receiving that money. And it's just a very strange system that doesn't make too much sense when you look at it for too long. And does that overlap as well with things like PIP assessment? Yeah, PIP is interesting. The, the PIP assessment and the universal credit disability assessment are so completely different. And one of them has been updated a lot more recently. So the universal credit one, they stop assessing you when they think they have enough evidence. So you can go in with your massive folder and be ready to talk for hours. And you'll talk for 20 minutes and they'll say, that's definitely enough. I'm going to send that off now. And then they send you home. But the PIP one, they absolutely destroy you for hours and hours and hours. And they're asking completely different questions. And so I've seen a friend of mine recently is being reassessed for universal credit because they like to quite often look at whether you're still disabled or not, which is always ridiculous. Um, and they've commented and said, can you just take the information from my PIP assessment and apply it to this? And they've said, no, it's completely different information, and completely different questions. And I quite often see people get given one benefit, but not the other um, either way around. And it's just just a very backward system that you feel like you need a lot of luck and skill and knowledge to get anywhere near making it work for you. It sounds like the most inaccessible thing ever, which is just ridiculous. Being disabled is a huge amount of life admin. It takes absolutely hours of work. I was thinking about that when Bav was talking about getting a doctor's appointment, because quite often I'll need a doctor's appointment quite urgently. I'm going to need to take hours of phoning around advocating for myself to try and get that appointment and that's going to be my work for the day and that's going to be exhausting but yeah applying for benefits is weeks worth of work that you need to be well enough to do or have someone to do for you and that's exhausting. They're telling you or saying that you can't work or don't work but in order to even get to that point is a lot of work it does make zero sense it's a very strange it's a very old way of looking at disability that you need to be completely incapacitated to deserve any money from this government and it obviously gets harder the longer we're in our current government setup yeah it's it's just very strange it's very it makes me feel like I'm uh, a Victorian on a fainting couch being painted in some kind of dramatic way that's all I do all day is 
lie around feeling dramatic and getting given money for it. <laughs> I love that as a picture. That's wild. <laughs> On a fainting couch. Oh, I think iconic. about it very often. I've got some kind of Shay Lounge and I've got my hand over my forehead. That's exactly what I think I look like. Dear me. I think like the the thing with the, the PIP assessment stuff as well from um, close friends and their experiences is just like, it's like a performance, right? You've kind of got to go and be like, I am to the level that you expect of this particular illness, condition, disability. You know, you almost have to be on that day, um, in that moment, performing to a level that they are expecting of you. And then on top of all that sort of stuff that, that you've just been saying as well, the exhaustion, the life admin, it is wild. Like, the whole system is so crazy. It's a very upsetting process, the PIP assessment. It's never got any easier for me, and I've been through hundreds of them now, it feels like. But uh, there's a coffee shop. The PIP centre that they send me to, there's a coffee shop around the corner, and that's the reward. You've done the PIP assessment. It's been really hard. I'm going to take myself to this coffee shop now. And it's really not a very good coffee shop. Every time I go anything I order is kind of quite disappointing and it just feels like I've taken myself out for this hot chocolate because I've been through this traumatic process of feeling really disabled and now I'm just going to have this really naff hot chocolate afterwards and that's just the whole experience really. I feel like that sums it up it's like my treat is this thing that I know is going to be a bit naff. Yeah. It's just like what? My last assessment, they uh, they put all of the assessments on pause. So anybody that was meant to be reassessed for PIP, they put them on pause for COVID and everybody sort of just got automatically renewed. And then for some reason, I got sent a letter saying that I needed to go in and they needed to reassess me right now. And I thought that that sounded quite unnecessary. Um, so what they actually did is they cut all of my benefits before telling me that they decided to reassess me, obviously. Um and then I sent in the reassessment form and they have now automatically renewed it until 2024. So I don't have to go in for an assessment for another three years. But as part of that, on the letter back to me, they wrote a bunch of stuff that they don't believe is wrong with me. And it's all stuff that my medical professionals also struggle to understand. So I have a swallowing disorder now, which I didn't used to have. And on the PIP form, they ask you if you've got anything new. And I said that I've got this new thing where I can't swallow food. And quite often I have to drink Huel, which is this disgusting protein shake thing because I can't get any other food in. And they've written back on this form saying, we don't believe you. And I've just got to sit with that. And I'm so irritated about it. I really want to write to them and just be like, why would I make that up? <laughs> Very angry about that specific thing. I mean, having anybody question your actual lived experience and your reality is so infuriating. So to then be reliant on an organisation or what, whatever it's called to then, you know, for them to turn around and say, actually, no. And then not, you know, allow you to have the things that you need to survive is just abhorrent. Yeah, completely. I was trying to do a master's degree um, until sometime last year. I had to give up on that due to the university not being accessible, really. But um, I went in there sort of all guns blazing, armed with all of my files of paperwork I've always got, telling them exactly what I need and how they were going to give me it. And the whole university experience was just them thinking that all of it was me making a fuss and that I didn't need any of these requirements. And it's just completely exasperating. And I just... 
it's really taken me some time to come back to feeling like I'm allowed to advocate for what I need and that I'm not just making a fuss. And it's because of all these institutions around me acting like I'm being making a fuss all the time. Yeah, we, we talked about um, this idea especially of, you know, if you have like more than one thing, if we think about like underrepresented groups as a whole, right, there's all these different things um, and sometimes it's just you feel almost like you tick too many boxes, right? Or or people see you as a person that ticks too many boxes, right? And we we talk a lot on Paul Lass about taking up space and feeling that you have the ability or the agency, you know, to be able to ask for what you need or just to be you in a space. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, mate, it sounds it sounds like a lot. I'm, you know, I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. It's a very pertinent day for it. I've been house hunting all day. Um, I've got to find somewhere to live within the next three and a half weeks. And um, I need somewhere to take benefits and I need somewhere to be accessible enough for me. And it's just exhausting. So I'm really thinking about it a lot today. Too many diversity criteria at once thing, I really feel. Um, I commented on something that I didn't realise was a public post on Facebook the other day, referring to myself as... uh, disabled and autistic and queer and trans and a bunch of men random men with opinions commented and told me that I'm winning the oppression olympics ugh grim (laughs) yeah it's like oh you can't play all the cards at once and you're like oh just go away yeah (laughs) (laughs) like I've got no words that are suitable for this podcast So to nick um, your question earlier from uh, Selena, what what you asked, um, Peg, how like what what was it that brought you to, I guess share your story? So um, for writing for Drawn Paulie and also um, coming to to guest on this podcast episode today, what is it that drives you to share your story and experiences? I used to always share my story to feel like people like me were represented, but I don't think. With poor lass or drawn poorly, I don't think that's what it is. I think I feel like I belong here and like it's okay to talk about things when you're in a space of people that will understand. So my submission to drawn poorly um, isn't explicitly about being disabled, but it's about me feeling connected, being in nature. And it's still there's nobody reading that piece within that zine and thinking that I don't fit in there. They're reading it and thinking that I'm part of this group of people. And that really does something to me, especially with what I'm talking about and navigating this world where uh, I'm made to feel like I'm strange and like I don't fit in and I'm not doing the right things. And then to come to these spaces where I do fit in and other people have similar experiences, I just find that incredibly powerful. Well, we're very lucky to have you here and you're very much welcome here. Um, We appreciate you sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. To wrap up, Peg, it'd be really nice just to give you the opportunity now just to share if there's anything that you kind of would like to ask of people or just to let people know of how they can be more accommodating and kinder. And again, to go back to that point of empathy, you know, people don't always know what is going on with the person sat next to them, a friend, a stranger on a bus, uh, a family member, a, a work colleague. Is there anything that you'd like to share from your lived experience um, with folks just to kind of give them a a realistic, real-life person's um, experience to learn from? 
I think for me, the fact that disabilities fluctuate is really important. So uh, in my past, I've had people think that because I could do something yesterday, that means I can do the exact same thing today without taking into consideration that my energy levels might be different or I might still be tired from what we did yesterday. Um, and there's something about learning what a person needs, but also continually asking and being able to adapt to it. And that's what makes it easier for me to be able to do things like work with people or socialize with people is having that idea that my capacity might be different on different days. And I find that really pertinent and I find that really useful to have people around me know. Um, it's sort of the opposite of this Paralympic model of disability where we see like a static, unchanging disability on television. And we think that that is how everybody with disabilities works. But there's more of that, that fluctuation in myself and most of the disabled people I know. And if I can have one more point, <laughs> um, I work because I have something valuable to give. So I, I'm still a person who should be contributing and should be at the table when we're having these conversations just because I have to do the Zoom meeting then lie down afterwards doesn't mean that I didn't have something important to say. And I just really find, especially now we're used to working from home, giving disabled people a voice and a seat at the table, I find that really important to have diversity and listen to people. Absolutely. Peg, thank you so much for coming along and joining us today, especially on a Friday night. Even though, you know, I say that as if I'm like off out to the club or something. Oh, yeah, Friday night. You never know, I might be. Yeah. You might be, I yeah, definitely won't. Where we're, I think we're talking about each other here that we're definitely not out on a <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, absolutely just gearing up ready for a bit of Gogglebox. I don't know about you guys. Oh, I do love Gogglebox. It is the best. It's the best. <laughs> um so yeah thanks a lot peg thanks thanks for coming along thanks for sharing your your story and i, I wish you lots of good luck with securing housing in the next few weeks mm. thank you for having me and yeah i hope it gets somewhere i've just been sent a whole bunch of right move links as we speak so i'll work my way through those fingers crossed mate fingers crossed yeah <laughs> um so at this point rose you've been you've been sat in the shadows this whole time um welcome back into the fold have you got anything that you'd like to share on the back of um, Bav and, and, and Peg sharing their stories? Hi. Um, yeah, I mean, I've just really enjoyed just listening to um, the conversations that you've been having, the things that you've shared. I think when you live with illness and disability, um, you feel like you're on your own with a lot of this. You carry a lot of it. So when I was listening to like Bav, for example, talk about um, you know the commute and how difficult that could be I was there going yes it's tough you know you feel it all over you all over when you you, you know you've got an illness um, and the same with Peg like just the difficulties in um, you know securing what you need and people not believing you and how that added element is just when you feel ill and when you're not well like that's the last thing you need someone going sorry are, you know is this thing actually happening um, so yeah, I just, I feel very, um, very like, I guess, full of like appreciation um, for the stories that you shared and all the awesome um, scenes you make. 
and also to you Emma and Selena as well for having us and giving us like space to talk about these things as well is is great no it's been brilliant this whole series I've, I've really enjoyed hearing like you know and I'm always grateful that people want to share their stories and and you know come on and let us have this space where they can share their stories yeah it, it means it means a lot yeah definitely I think as well you know to go back to like the beginning of of this episode and how we, we kind of both have in our you know independent projects I suppose um similar needs in that you know we are often talked about in in ways that you know it, we don't I guess our voices aren't um almost represented in the best ways sometimes or like I said before people can kind of use them to kind of put agendas against us or whatever so I think having an ability to you know hold your own kind of voice in your own space in a, in a place where people are kind as well I think is super important so thanks for, for trusting us as well um, with your stories and experiences and, and feeling like you can come on and, and share your stories it, it does mean a lot but yeah thank you so much everyone again and if anybody's listening and relates to any of the stories or wants to reach out or know more about um drawn poly and the zines and the projects that you do um how how can people do that rose the best way is um through instagram or twitter um and the handle is drawn poly zine uh, there's also a website that I'm very bad at updating, uh, which is drawnpaulizine.co.uk. But there's some there's some cool stuff on there. <laughs> I think we lost our website. We were so bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to hear. <laughs> you know, websites. Who has websites? That's not a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone. And yeah, again, it's been such a great evening just listening to you share your stories. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Have a good Friday night. See ya. So